You're listening to Art and Magic, and I'm your host, Devin Walls. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the show. Today, I present to you a conversation with my dear friend and mentor, Marissa Avila Saylor. Marissa has been on the show twice before, so this is her third appearance, and that is for a very good reason. It's because she is extremely insightful, has super interesting and aspirational perspectives, and I personally in my own life get so much from talking with her and knowing her that I'm always excited to get to bring that here and share with you guys. So if you're interested in listening to the other two episodes with her, which I think you will be after this conversation, um, they're episodes 17 and 37. Uh, we did one on unlearning art school and then another one on world building, both very interesting topics. But today her and I are diving into art versus craft or uh, more accurately, as she says, art and craft. As you might know, there are all kinds of lines drawn between art and craft in the art world, and there's also a whole lot of crossover. And there's a whole lot of crossover in terms of the people who are making art and crafts. And Marissa is somebody who does both. Um, I have a lot of friends who do both and might lean more heavily on one side of this or the other side. As you'll hear me talk about in this conversation, this is something I've been considering and thinking about with some of the things I might wanna make in the future. And no matter what category you identify with, I think the questions that come up when we talk about art and craft are applicable to all creatives and makers. There's a lot of important things addressed in this conversation. You know, we talk about pricing, context, why some materials are more associated with craft versus fine art, how Marissa has built her audience, And ultimately, I think this conversation keeps coming back to how to straddle both worlds if you're wanting to do that. I'll just add that a lot of fine artists that I know make a really good income from the part of their practice that involves what we would consider craft or product. So having some sort of product or commercial aspect to what you do might be something to consider when it comes to what income streams you're gonna use to support yourself. And I know for me, sometimes there's hesitation there because we wonder if we can still make work that is considered fine art while also making products. And you'll hear me talk about that and that will come up in the conversation again and again. But I just love Marissa's perspective on this entire topic. And this is the perspective that I would want to promote to people, which is why we're here. A couple notes. This was the first time that I got to record a podcast episode in person with someone, which was really fun and awesome for Marissa and I to get to bounce off of each other, not over Zoom. Uh, I much prefer that, and that was great. That being said, uh, we recorded on one microphone because I do not have a fancy setup, and it was also my first time doing that. And it is definitely an imperfect recording. You will hear some like bumps against the mic and echoes because we were both kind of trying to sit close to it, close enough where it would pick us up, but not so close that we were like on top of each other. So there are some like echoey noises in there and I apologize for that in advance. And the next thing is just a reminder about our Patreon. So Patreon is the best way to support me and the show. The support I get over there really goes a long way in 
you know, both helping me make my work and keep this podcast afloat. Uh, if you like the podcast and you want more episodes to listen to, there is a library of exclusive bonus episodes uh, that you can't listen to anywhere else. It's only for patrons. And this month, I'm going to try out a new benefit, which is adding y'all to my close friends' stories on Instagram. So if you are at any level, you'll get to see these stories. And these are just going to be more behind the scenes, more like real life stuff, (laughs) more failures, um, less edited content, less curated content. But hopefully, like if you're an artist or a maker, that will be interesting to you. You'll see me struggle probably like you struggle and maybe learn some stuff too and see some more stuff about my process that I don't always share. So if you're interested in that, the link to the Patreon is in the show notes. Okay, so if you don't already know Marissa Avila Saylor, she's a Long Beach local who works in sculpture, painting, and drawing using both traditional and experimental media. She earned a BFA from the Atlanta College of Art in 2005 and an MFA from California State University Fullerton in 2009. An artist since childhood, Marissa has always supported her art practice with more traditional career paths, namely education and nonprofit work. She's currently a board member, mentor, and grant writer for Color Compton, a youth-focused nonprofit focused on the reclamation of black and brown history through the development of artistic narratives. Outside of the studio, Marissa and her spouse of 18 years are guiding their two exceptional young children in the art of being explorers of this universe. All right, I hope you guys enjoy this conversation I had with Marissa. Okay, we are here. This is our first podcast episode recorded in real life, and I'm so glad it's with you, Marissa. Yay! At your studio. I'm glad too. <laughs> it feels so much more comfortable, actually. I love it in here. We're on a comfy couch. We are. So, uh, today we're here to talk about art versus craft, and I know that's something that you've thought a lot about. You really come up against it in your work. I'm just starting to think about it more. So I thought maybe we could start with what people generally understand craft to be versus art to be. Um, so there are some traditional definitions, and I want to say first, you don't have to listen to them at all. <laughs> I don't. Um, but generally, when people talk about art versus craft, craft is generally referred to as like a skill-based thing. And art is more expression-based. Um, so the fun part of that is your art doesn't necessarily have to be skilled. Um, <laughs> As we have seen. <laughs> um, and um, craft, I, I think what makes craft so great is like usually when I describe something that's well-made, I say that's well-crafted, you know? Mm. Um, so uh, most people will associate craft with skill, I think, um, but we will talk a little bit later on about why they might not do that. Um, but those are generally the definitions of, you know, craft equals skill and um, art equals expression. Mm-hmm. Okay, so with that in mind, maybe we can each kind of talk about our relationship to these two definitions and how craft and or art and like the distinction or non-distinction between the two comes into play in our practice. Let's, let's start with you. Okay. <laughs> um, I've mentioned before that I don't really draw a line between the two um, because it doesn't serve me. Uh, I see creation as um, just this big spectrum of making, and it really doesn't matter what I'm making, why I'm making it. Um, I, 
I definitely dive into why I make things. Um, and I have to understand that about myself. But, you know, whether the purpose is expression or the purpose is just um, practicing a skill or getting better at something, I don't really divide that too much in my own mind when I'm doing it. Maybe later on when I'm putting it out into the world, that division is a little more clear. Um, but in terms of creating, like I make as much jewelry as I make sculptures, as I make lanyard keychains that I'm obsessed with right now, um, as I do crocheting and drawings and paintings. Um, so when it comes to like creative energy, you know, there's, there's not really a big division there for me because I've always kind of made all of these things. Um, but I know you said that you're kind of coming up against it now as sort of a new thing for you. So like, where does this land for you? Yeah. Um, it's not really something I've thought too much about before, other than hearing you talk about it, which has always been fascinating and maybe a small amount in that in a lot of my paintings, I use some craft-based materials, but even in that, I feel like I'm pulling craft materials into my art and like saying something with that. So I've had like the awareness of it, but it, I haven't, really been faced with the question until now like am I dabbling in the realm of craft versus art and that's because I'm working on these 3d mobiles and it's very new they're in the beta stage as you know (laughs) as Marissa has helped me with a lot so far um but yeah I've I'm working with some resin to make the charms and as I'm doing it I'm like these kind of look like resin jewelry which I've seen before and is very much like considered a craft thing so there's like an aesthetic to it that might not last you know I might alter it or bring in other material materials or whatever but in the interim I'm kind of looking at it and I'm like all right this is feeling more crafty than I'm used to and then like a couple questions come up about that like does that mean it's not art does that mean it needs to be sold in a different context um and then, of course, like the the voices that I know aren't true, but maybe are kind of like infiltrating, like, is this not as smart or valuable? Like, am I going to peg myself in a different um, category by making this or putting this out there? And even if I even if that was the case, like, I know that that is not even a bad category, but it's just because I'm used to making art and doing or and calling what I make art mm-hmm. that I'm like, okay, this is edgy. How do I feel about this? Is, that's your intentionality kind of coming through and going, hold on. This, yeah. yeah. Know, like, I'm sort of veering and how do I feel about this? And it's not easy to kind of put it into a category at that point, which is kind of the whole point of this Yeah, art versus craft, which maybe it's not versus, maybe it's art and craft. Art, yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 Art and craft. Yeah. Um, but Okay, so you, you've done some sculptures before, though. Yes. Okay, and they were functional. You did, mm-hmm. like, these vessels, and that also comes up a lot, the functionality. You know, if something's mm-hmm. functional, then maybe it's a craft. If mm-hmm. it's non-functional, if it's just a thing that's going to sit there or hang on the wall, then it's, it's got to be art. Mm. Um, how did you feel about those sculptures? You know, they were functional. this maybe came up, like, a very small amount when I was making those. But I actually think maybe the difference is the materials. Mm-hmm. Like, because those were air dry clay, which is certainly not ceramic, but it can look, like, heavier and, mm-hmm. you know, something something there. Um, yeah, maybe there was something in the solidness of it. 
Whereas like these mobiles, it's like resin. They're very light. They're very, um, they're a little more like kitsch looking so far, I think. Mm-hmm. And, and that's because of the things I'm like leaning into in my work. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's probably what it is. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, like materials, I think often lend themselves to that. The more exciting, the more fun, the more accessible, the more like you're using the iridescent vinyl Mm. and things like that, like the more kind of fun, plasticky, accessible the material, I think the more people do kind of feel that it leans into the craft world. Mm -hmm. The more natural, the more um, oil painty, the more Mm. kind of canvassy. Uh, people do sort of lean into the art world, I think. Like, and those are just preconceptions that we have. Those, yeah. they don't mean anything. Right, That's right, just right. Like, where people's brains. This is just like why you might have that impression. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Does that have to do with like a historical context? Like, these natural materials have been around longer and therefore have been in the art world longer, or it's like accessibility? They're more expensive. Um, I think there's a few different reasons. Um, probably both of those mm. feed into it. Um, there's definitely the art snob purism. Mm -hmm. like people who won't even touch acrylic paint because it's plastic Mm. which you know there's environmental reasons for that that's fine there's also the purism reason for that which is solely from like a snobby context Mm -hmm. um so there's that but um I think also the accessibility of like I don't want to make something that looks like you could buy it in a store Mm. um I don't want to use materials that look like everyday materials I want to use something that looks quote-unquote elevated or something that signifies that it is artistic versus a product. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we blur the lines of that a lot now. Um, But maybe historically that's, like, recent history, that's not so much the case. Mm -hmm. Um, But thanks to, like, social media and and access to more materials now, that's the the lines are way more blurred. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I think, like, we have a lot of stuff, like, a lot of residue (laughs) left over from that time that Mm -hmm. doesn't, necessarily apply now but we still have it hanging over us yeah yeah absolutely yeah there is something when you were saying like oh I could I could find it in a store you know Mm -hmm. because that's something else I think that has come up for me is originally I actually went to the craft store and I like found all these cute like beads and like chains and charms and I was like oh I want to like bring these in but then these questions and this this actually might be a question that's a slight divergence from art and craft but it was like okay if I'm just putting together things that I've pre-bought like how do I feel about that isn't that more crafty (laughs) like wait I'm used to making art so that means that everything here needs to be handmade but then like at what point do you draw that line like I didn't make the vinyl I didn't make the resin in a lab right so there's like Mm -hmm. these levels of that um, I don't even know if resin's made in a lab, but whatever. You you get the point. We're gonna pretend it is. Yeah, we're gonna brains. pretend there's like a resin lab somewhere. Um it's highly dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> uh so yeah, so then that's like that okay, I, f- I actually found it in a store, so I don't wanna do that. But then I'm making these like charms and stuff, and I'm like, well, I could have found these in a store. I didn't, but like somebody might not realize that. This is you why know? you can't draw that line. Yeah, like, yeah. There is no line to be drawn because yeah. at what point am I going to create my own polymer clay? Like, right, right, right. I've yeah. definitely considered it. Yeah. But I'm not that crazy yet. Yeah. I might be. I kind of am. But <laughs> like, there. You, there is a line to be drawn mm-hmm. somewhere, but it's not, I'm not drawing it between art and craft and I'm drawing it between what am I willing to make versus what am I going to right. pre-purchase. Um, 
And yeah, that's a whole like other kind of conversation. You can buy canvases already made or you can stretch them. You know, mm-hmm. like the, the same thing happens in art. Yeah. You can buy paintbrushes or you can make your own painting implements. Um, you can buy gesso, you can mix your own gesso. Like there's mm-hmm. still that kind of purism that happens there too. You can fully assemble things and just do it in ways that people have never done it before and mm-hmm. still end up with really cool assemblage projects. Mm. And there are artists who assemble found objects and just things like Vanessa L. German. I don't know if you've ever seen her work. It's it's just like completely assembled stuff and it's incredible and it is fine art. Mm. Fine as art. It is amazing. Yeah. And, um, you know, how are you going to call that craft just because it was um, assembled from things that are pre-made? So right. there's obviously the spirit behind it, the thought behind it, um, and not simply just the materials. Um, and that's up to you as the artist to decide where you draw the line. For yeah, that. yeah. Okay, so now I'm thinking about, like, well, I'm kind of torn. I almost want to go back to your work a little bit because I think you have actually maybe more to add in this realm of materials. Mm -hmm. So maybe you could talk about your materials and, like, your work and how it can straddle these worlds and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm looking at all my materials right now. As am I. It is beautiful. (laughs) It's a landscape of, like, garbage. Um, but... (laughs) I, I love craft materials, um, but I do seek to use them in ways that people have not used them before because, one, I get people who <laughs> copy my work. Mm-hmm. Uh, thanks a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't do that. Um, but I, I like the accessibility of it. I love the, the sensory draw of things like glitter and um, vinyl like you use and brightly colored exciting things i am not satisfied by ochres and you know sable brushes and canvas texture those are things do not bring me joy and excitement i've tried it i'm not into it (laughs) um so the world of craft materials offers so much more in terms of what feeds me and what excites me um that it just doesn't make sense to for me to cram myself into this box of oh well I can only use materials that are labeled with the letters A R T on them. <laughs> it's just if I were an alien and I touched down and I asked Marissa why do you use these materials and that was my only explanation I'd be like man that's crazy I don't know why it's I'm lame. doing it in the the context of alien. But... Well I was just gonna say I was like <laughs> so basically the real life scenario right. <laughs> Um, your backstory that's like really what happened yeah yeah um but so you know the world of craft materials is going to just offer me so much more in terms of what I'm able to build with um and I think even as a kid like I looked at the world of you know how can I create my own surroundings out of what I have around me whether it's popsicle sticks or a cardboard box tape crap I found in the garbage whatever Um, I always needed to know that I could make whatever I needed to make and I wasn't going to limit myself. And like, that's why I learned all the different art forms that I possibly could. Um, And so I never wanted to just say, oh, no, I can't use that. It's for kids. That just didn't make any sense ever to me. And I think I was so buttheaded about it that it just stuck with me for so long um, that I just refused to hear anybody's (laughs) criticism of it. 
I don't know if that's a positive or a negative trait, but that's I think the one thing I'm sticking with. It's positive. <laughs> it's definitely positive. Um, but, you know, in my work, what it does is it, it, you know, it allows me to kind of get as unhinged as I need to be. And I think that's what's great about craft material is that it's accessible. You can give it to kids and let them be unhinged, too. I definitely... You've seen my daughter Maribel's box of Pokemon that she made. She's yeah. about like 75 Pokemon that she's made at this point. And it's just, she's, she's just like a machine. But it, it allows that. You yeah. know, you're not going to give your child this expensive stuff to build with. And um, I think, you know, it gives me that too. Maybe I am the little kid too that just needs to make a thousand Pokemon. Mm. This is just what my Pokemon look like. Um, so, yeah, like... That's where I'm coming from is just like feeding that need to do it. But I know you work very differently. Like you are not that frantic kind of creator. Like you are very intentional. So where is your relationship with these materials? Because I know it's not as like obsessive as mine. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think I've actually been heavily like inspired and influenced by being friends with you. I actually don't. Yeah. Sorry. No. <laughs> no, it's a big thank you. Well, yeah. It has cost me some time and money, but I'm okay with that. Wait, you would check. No, 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 no. Um, yeah, I think actually. Well, okay. So I think being self taught. It's funny because we're talking about accessibility. So I think it really just depends on where you're entering from. Because I think in one perspective, being self-taught, entering into painting and drawing is like, you don't have to learn about all these materials and like all the mess, depending on what you're doing. Like, I know polymer clay can be accessible and stuff too. But anyway, for me, from where I was coming from, um, 2D work was more accessible. And I do think it is uh, like the proper not proper, but a good mode for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always been like interested in sculpture and 3D work. I really like it. I love seeing it. I really appreciate it. But I think there's an aspect where if you don't have an environment to learn it in, it can, or have a specifically have somebody to ask questions to, um, it can be really overwhelming. Yeah. And so I think from being friends with you, actually, it has given me like an entry point into exploring my work in 3D. Um, that being said, yeah, I don't have like the obsessive quality necessarily that you have, but I am looking for materials that really mirror the feeling that I try to communicate in my paintings. Mm -hmm. Um, so things that are very like right now, like kind of ghostly and like shiny and clear. And so I think that's where the resin has come in. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so that's where I'm at with that. Yeah, and I know, like, you're, you're doing, like, the ring pop. Oh, yeah. Um, and, like, seeing how it turned out and just, like, the right amount of transparency and yeah. just to get it right to make you feel like it's an actual ring pop, I think is evoking those very intentional feelings. Mm. And so for you, it seems like that's what you're chasing after with these materials is to, yeah. like, get that right feel yeah. of... of Like, how can I make this material work for me to get what I want? Yeah. And I think actually that's where I'm a little like, um, oh, this is interesting. I don't know how I feel about this yet because um, this is not the right word. And I think we can like unpack this. But something about the painting and like the oil painting, I'm like, oh, this feels very like quality. Mm -hmm. And 
So now using these other materials where I'm like, this is feeling very crafty, which doesn't mean it's not quality. Like I know these are thoughts from, Mm -hmm. from outer realms. Um, I'm like, wait, how do I get that, that same quality? But do I need it? Am I attached to it because of, you know, like some stereotype about craft? You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So I do have a little bit of a theory about some of these things with oil paint. Like it's very hands off. Ah. When you finish the product, it goes up on the wall, Uh is varnished, and, like, you're not allowed to touch it, Mm -hmm. right? When you're making things that can be kind of seen as a product, you're encouraged to touch it, Mm -hmm. especially if you're making something that's a replica of something like a ring pop or something, like, that looks like a trinket, Mm. you know, a Trinket, that's a good word. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it feels very trinkety. Or a lock. Like, the things that you are making are things that you are expected to handle, even if it's a piece of art. Mm -hmm. So there is that, like, underlying weird feeling of, like, oh, this is art, but it's of things I'm supposed to touch, so I feel it feels devalued. And, Mm. like, there is that feeling about craft that because you can touch it, it's devalued. Interesting. Oil paintings, it's up on the wall behind a velvet rope or whatever. Yeah. This is very valuable. I can't touch it. Yeah. Even though it's pigment... in suspended in oil Mm -hmm. you know like of course there's skill behind it some of it (laughs) maybe not um but like i I do think that's where some of the feeling comes from is it's just not a tangible medium for people yeah whereas sculpture obviously it is because you can often see the like creator's hand in it and and pick it up and feel it and see like what what it's made of um and maybe that's where some of that feeling comes from Mm -hmm. from that i don't know yeah yeah that's interesting I think part, I think that is part of it. And then also I think there's an association mm-hmm. of like trinkets. I'm like, this could feel like jewelry, which isn't even bad. I've been making this and I'm like, maybe I should make some jewelry. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's this realm I've never thought of myself in. I haven't crossed into. Mm-hmm. So it's like, just questions like, do I want to do that? Do I not? And maybe we can actually, maybe we can pin that like, reasons why you would or wouldn't in context and all that Mm -hmm. but before we go there since we're talking about all these um maybe like opinions that have influenced us maybe we can talk about why you see or why you think craft is deemed as less valuable in the first place like why do we even have these preconceived notions Mm -hmm. um well they're they're all kind of ugly reasons um and we've heard them all (laughs) Obviously, you can join in with ones you've that, that you've heard, but I mean, it's usually a way to keep other people out of the arts. You know, mm-hmm. um, if something is seen as predominantly done by women, then we're going to assign the title of craft. If it's predominantly done by um, people of color or black and brown people or indigenous people, uh, we're going to label it craft and we're not going to elevate it until a white male artist decides to elevate it. Pablo Picasso looking at you um so these are ways that society uses it to keep other people out of something that could elevate them Mm. um there's you know and this applies to lots of things but in the art world especially um higher art is reserved for the uber wealthy and they use it to launder their money and um, do not so great things, but there's also that huge like under layer of actual working artists who we don't have to listen to them. We don't have to play by their rules. We don't have to do that. Um, and so we don't have to like 
pay attention to those kinds of divisions that they have created in order to keep us out because they're never going to let us in. So that's fine. Mm -hmm. I'll stay out. I don't care. I'm going to make stuff with plastic. Um, that's terrible for the environment. I know. I'm not always <laughs> going to do that. I promise. <laughs> if you order stuff from me, it's all shipped in paper. Um, <laughs> we make up for it in other ways. <laughs> um, but anyway, like the, that's some of the some of the reasons there's there's lots more as to why craft is you know not elevated um it's usually as a way to control people and keep them out of you know higher uh levels of society yeah i don't know if you have any other yeah yeah i mean it's like it keeps the exclusivity of the art world which is basically just like what you're saying um which then in turn like keeps the keeps the work more scarce in the art world, drives the value up. It's like, it's all really kind of like a money game anyway. Yeah, that's the economy yeah. of art yeah. there. And unfortunately, it has a lot of terrible repercussions because then um, black and brown women have the least visibility in galleries. Um, they have the least, um, they're the least employed as academics in art, um, which means that art students have the least mentorship mm -hmm. when they go to study so it's just kind of this big you know domino effect um all the way down the line of well if we define art as only this certain thing that only certain people can do we're just going to keep everyone out and so it, it it affects everyone all the way down the line mm -hmm. guess, is, is what i'm saying and so i'm just not going to listen yeah to that at all yeah so that was actually going to be a follow-up question for you earlier is like because you've been making work for a long time and making this work with this materials and these themes for a while. I'm wondering like what your experience has been using these materials and then, and also I know you make and sell jewelry and keychains and other things too. Mm -hmm. Like what has your experience been when you've gone to present your work as fine art? Do you feel like there are some places that have really embraced what you're doing? Have you felt like there are some places that aren't for you? Like just in general, what has that been like? Um, I think like the content of my work is so unhinged that, <laughs> that the the materials that it's made out of um, people accept it. Um, if the visuals of my artwork were much more calm and like not as wild, you know, fangs puking out rainbows, that I I I think there probably would be more resistance, but you know, the nature of my work is a little bit wild that I think no matter the material, I would have a very specific audience, mm. no matter what. So the kind of people that like the visuals of my work, whether it's colored pencil or um, acrylic on Duralar, like the, the way I work anyway is just so kind of weird and different that I think people like that it's air dry clay. And I think that it has, it's been really well received. Um, so like the clay that I use is like not even the typical air dry clay, it's foam clay that has made, been made popular by cosplay artists. Mm. So they make um, armor and masks and stuff. And it's it became really popular because it's super lightweight. Um, and I get the colored clay that you can just slap onto anything and it, it dries instantly and it's amazing it's opened up all these worlds for me um and i think and i've seen other artists like i've introduced them to this clay and they're like oh my gosh this is perfect for me it's not for everyone because you have to work very fast but for those frantic like <laughs> artists who have to puke stuff out real quick yeah uh it's for us <laughs> and i i think it's been really well received because it really just fits in with how I work uh, mm. really well but again I'm not the kind of artist that's going to be at some 
demure gallery, you know, opening because if you look at my work, I have like secret curse words in it and you know, a giant sculpture that says shit. So I think it just goes along with my style. It's yeah. the long way of answering that question. Well, okay. So I get what you're saying. Like it's not really like the material or even like the potential implications of craft in your mm-hmm. work that categorize it in some way. It's just like what your work is or like what just how it looks and what it's about and just all the things is like separate from yes I think my I have yet to hear anybody kind of mention that oh that's the craft like I've yet to hear that become even part of the conversation yeah it's more people are intrigued and they're like wow you managed to do that with this yeah it's not an easy material to work with Uh by the way no it's not (laughs) (laughs) if you like to work on things slowly it's not for you but if you are kind of a frantic worker, then it, it, it yeah. is. Um, you just have to find find your speed with it, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, I've yet to have anybody uh, act like my work is devalued because of the material. Okay. Okay. So follow-up question, just my own personal curiosity that is like maybe not related to craft. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of finding spaces and audience and collectors that do match with your work, mm-hmm. like where... I don't know, like, what has what has that journey been like to find that? Where do you feel like you fit? Where have you found that, like, you really don't fit and it's not for these people? I'm just always curious about that in general. And I think because your work is unique and it's specific, uh, I'm curious to hear your answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, you know, most of my collectors are women. Mm-hmm. Um, and m- neurodivergent men. <laughs> And the overlap with people who enjoy enhancing their life with chemicals <laughs> um, is kind of large. I guess I'll say with psychedelics. Yeah. Um, because my work has that psychedelic edge. Yeah. Finding my people has been interesting. Like, it's... I think I, I never looked for my people is mm. the thing. I think I just kind of put it out there. And so I know my audience has a ceiling. I know that I'm not widely accepted. Like my, I have people step into my studio and they, they either go, holy shit, this is great. Or they go, oh my God. Like, <laughs> That's so funny. When can I leave? Really? <laughs> These are the normal people that like. That we were talking about. That earlier. we were talking about that I don't get, a, I don't know how to act around. Um, but yeah, <laughs> get to that. Um, there, there, there are people who see my work and they're very overwhelmed by mm. the amount of color, the amount of expression. They don't know how to handle themselves around it. And that's fine. I know it's overwhelming. And I know that my work is not for them. And I, a long time ago, accepted that. Mm. I'm not for everyone. My work is not for everyone. And I think leaning into that is how I found my people. Mm. And just accepting, I am not going to be like the TV show that everyone likes. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be the TV show that everyone likes because the jokes are predictable and the, like, cast is not funny. Um, So I'm going to be the one that, like, is kind of underappreciated and weird. But I have my gang of friends. You know, like, that's... Mm -hmm. And I just accepted that. And my gang of friends is usually, like, I swear half of you all are neurodivergent at least um and we all just need color and excitement in our lives and that's like that's why I have the collectors that I do because they're like yes I need this in my house yeah and that's um 
that's where they come from. Yeah. So it's been interesting because I haven't gone looking for them. They've just found me and that's been nice. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes total sense for your work too. Yeah. Like I, I'm the kind of person that can't, I can't try. I can't predict because I'm really bad at that. That's mm-hmm. my huge weak spot. I'm not good at like guessing what people want to see. Mm-hmm. I just have to like barf out what I need to do. Yeah. And then my people find me. Like if you build it, they will come. Yeah. If you barf it, they will come. <laughs> <laughs> there are multiple things you can do to make them come. Barfing is one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm super interested in this because I think as I've started like putting my work out there like building on social media, but also like wanting to show in person, like Mm -hmm. a big thing that comes up for me. Well, I think actually for any artist is like trying to understand your work so you can see where you fit and like where is going to be productive for you to reach out to or move Mm -hmm. towards. Um, Who are your peers? Like that's a big theme for me right now. It's actually something Andrea and I talked about is like finding your peers. Um, And so, yeah, I think when your work is more unique and you don't, like right away see examples of where you might fit sometimes that's like more of a journey yeah and and for me yeah my work isn't a lot like other people's work it Mm -hmm. is weird and I am using a material that a lot of people don't use so it is distinct in that way um and for me mine is like backwards intent you know Mm. it's not that I think about it and I go yes this is my audience and I put it out there And then that's the audience that I speak to. It's more like, okay, I know what I want to say. I know what I want my art to look like. I know what I'm about. I know how I feel about things. This is what I'm going to make and I'm going to put it out there. And Mm -hmm. then like you follow that cycle. You go, okay, what's that response look like? Mm -hmm. Hmm, Who responded to that? Oh, that's cool. These people, I like them. Yeah. Hey, look, their art has similar themes to mine. It doesn't look the same, but like we deal with some of the same stuff. Mm -hmm. And like that's kind of how I've found my art you know, friends and my art, um, kind of peers, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, even if your art doesn't look the same at all, it's for me, it's more a process of like figuring myself out first and then putting it out there and then making those connections and then reflecting on that and then doing like more of the same. And again, it's all a journey. It's all figuring out as you go along and then you learn more about yourself and you get more I guess, input inside. Do you feel like the fact that you put out jewelry and more accessible crafts like things affects or devalues like your other art? Have Um, you experienced that? Hmm. Okay. The way I feel it affects me the most is just in terms of my attention. Mm. So Mm -hmm. I know absolutely it takes away from my attention of larger things. Yeah. However, on a practical standpoint here's a rarity marissa being practical um <laughs> my ability to sell those smaller things helps fund the larger projects yeah. so as much as i would love to make large wall pieces of like giant mouths and eyeballs and things um those do have a smaller audience those have um the opportunities to show those aren't as broad um so where I am in my career, I'm not a quote unquote full-time artist. I have kids, I have, you know, I do nonprofit work and writing. So my ability to do those smaller things funds the larger pieces that I really want to make, um, where I may or may not have a show to put that in or whatever. So I I do think it it affects me positively and negatively in Mm. that sense, positively in that it funds 
my ability to make that negatively in that it takes away my my time yeah. in making those things. But it's also good because I love making jewelry. I love figuring mm-hmm. out those little things because it's like short term satisfaction. Yeah. I'm like, yes, totally necklace right now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and like that feeds that part of you. Um, on a larger scale, I think the kind of people who like my work, it does not affect them. Mm-hmm. I think the kind of people who dislike my work, they may have that feeling about it, but they already don't like my work. So <laughs> it doesn't okay. matter. They're not going to buy it anyway. They're like, they already don't like snakes coming out of mouths with yeah. fangs, so they're not going to like the jewelry. But I mean, that might be a giant generalization and people mm-hmm. might surprise you. But um, I do think that like I've created that space of where my work lives and it's my, I consider my peers to be both fine artists and people who make product. Yeah. Like if I look at my peers, I, I see people in, in every realm. And so mm-hmm. I, I think I just kind of float amongst and I don't consider myself one or the other. Yeah, you really do. Um, I think that's another way that like you've influenced me for the better is like kind of seeing that um, has been cool and I think helpful. I think yeah. it's my refusal to be like put into a box. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Like, I will not give up. The yeah, things I like. Um, I refuse to be one or the other, and so um, that is does take a bit of a hyperactive like sensibility to like want to live in both worlds without driving yourself nuts. Yeah, but um, in terms of like marketing and product and that end of things, that mm-hmm. is not the creative end. Uh, it is it. Can't, that's the harder part, I think, mm-hmm. the more practical um, part. And I know that's like kind of where what you're thinking of because you are very intentional about where to go with those sorts of things. So I know that that's yeah. on your mind and how that will affect you. Yeah, I'm also actually thinking about pricing mm-hmm. um, because I think a lot of what we see as far as differences in art versus craft is pricing, right? Mm-hmm. Like craft is typically more accessible. And so I, it is kind of weird to be making stuff that is just as intentional as my other work and my paintings, um, but is using more craft-based materials. The mobiles are one thing because I think those can fit in the realm of sculpture, but they still have like might have end up having a trinkety feel. TBD. Mm-hmm. We really don't know how they're going to end up at all at this point. Um, by the time this comes out, you might not even know what I'm talking about. Um, but like for example. And I, I don't necessarily think I'm going to do this, but it's just a thought that's crossed my mind. Like if I were to make jewelry, now it's really like, all right, well, I'm not probably not going to price that the same way I would price it if it was a fine art piece of jewelry. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where I'm like, for your stuff, how do you distinguish that? And, and there's several different layers yeah. because a fine art piece of jewelry is, you know, what type of materials am I using? Is it 18 karat stuff? Am I soldering things? Am mm. I using gemstones? Am I um, like hand painting things? Am I etching? Am I doing stuff that really requires a learning of a skill, which is actually craft, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or am I assembling? Mm. And that is more in terms of like product assembly. Yeah. And then where do you draw that line? So for me, like if I'm making these charm necklaces, I have some that are completely hand sculpted some charms that are hand sculpted and some that are completely purchased. Mm-hmm. And for me, that's the happy medium because mm-hmm. I can put my mark on it and then I can purchase things that I know I can't make this cute little spider rhinestone thing without yeah. buying a whole soldering setup and then getting completely lost in that. Um, so like for that's just where you land, you know? Yeah. And it, that just really depends on your 
energy, your ability to purchase new materials, mm. all of that. And everyone's going to land somewhere differently. And you might not even land where you want. You know, mm. you might have to compromise. Right. I mean, you pretty much always do. I know. <laughs> to compromise. I would if you're love an it. artist, you're probably going to have to compromise if you ever want to come out with any work. Right. I would love to know the people who don't compromise. What yeah. is that like? Yeah. Uh, um, so, yeah, like, that. that's a long, really long-winded answer. No, no, I get it, though. It's basically like you're, you're kind of saying you're pricing it based off time and materials, mm-hmm. um, regardless of if that's a lot or a little. Right. Whereas I think sometimes with fine art, and I don't even think I price my, fi- my fine art, my art, whatever, this way. I think I actually am still pricing it based off time. Yeah. Um, but I think sometimes in art, there is this extra attributed value to it, mm-hmm. right? That, like, is separate from time and materials. And I think that usually doesn't come with craft. And right. so if you're somebody who's pricing your art with that in mind... And then you make craft. It's kind of like you're taking that out of the equation. Mm-hmm. Which which is funny to me because there are people who can power through art the way yeah. they power through craft products. Yeah. So, like, this, this is all how you present it. This is uh-huh. all kind of the emperor's new clothes mm-hmm. sort of thing. So, I mean, I can power through drawings and paintings pretty quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, that's kind of why I moved to sculptures, because I'm like, okay, paintings are a little bit boring for me right now. <laughs> um, so, yeah, in terms of pricing, pricing is the Wild West, you know. It is the Wild West, it's, man. It's almost like I don't know how to talk about it. Because yeah. <laughs> something can take you two minutes once you've figured it out. Uh-huh. You can figure out prints, but maybe it took you 10 years to master yeah. that. Yeah, know? and maybe the print is something that took you another 10 years. Yeah. Like, it's of the painting that took you so long. Yeah. Right, yeah. So, I mean, when it comes to pricing, honestly, you can just come down t- to that final level of, like, what is this worth to me? What mm. If this went out the door, what would I be happy to get okay, for it? Okay, that's a good measure. Um, so sometimes it comes down to that. Because that is also, I think, how I price my paintings. Mm-hmm. Uh, to an extent, obviously, I, I do have to go by some sort of formula so there's consistency and take some emotion out of it. Right. But because they're so time intensive, I have to be like... <laughs> what is going to be worth the energy exchange, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, what won't bring me pain. Right, like, right, like, right. Because I've definitely sold stuff for way under and yeah. gone, oh, man, like, I would have just held on to that. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, whatever, learning experiences. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, definitely just because something is labeled art does not necessarily mean it has that extra expression in mm-hmm. it. It doesn't mean that. We can say it. We can... I've been to plenty of critiques where someone was blowing smoke because it just, no, we're just making things up now. Um, But it it doesn't necessarily have to have that, and even if we say that it does. So it it goes both ways, I guess, Mm -hmm. is what I'm trying to say in words that aren't making much sense. But yeah. They are making perfect sense. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So for somebody who is also straddling these lines. I think something we've kind of casually uh, mentioned, but has we haven't really gone into it, is so much of this has to do with context, like how you choose to present your work. So for example, with my mobile, they are medium size. Do, have we talked about size yet? No. We talked about that in our pre-chat. We had a little like pre-chat. I know, which is always the worst because then you talk about all the things, but you have to have it. We have terrible memories and then yeah. we'll forget when we talk about things. It's not cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a 
Okay, well, I'm just going to sum it up really quickly. Um, size matters. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. I know. Um, basically, what, what had come about for us earlier is that a lot of the times what will distinguish something between art and craft is its size. So if you can hold something in your hand, uh, that makes it more accessible and it might feel more like craft versus where if it's bigger and needs to be in this like bigger space, that's where a gallery might be like, okay, this is art. Or if something is so tiny and fragile, then it also could fall in the realm of art. So then we were kind of saying like, so basically medium sized equals craft. Stick to medium. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you want to do a craft. <laughs> um, it's also just because it's easier to sell. Yeah. I think tiny things are easy to sell too, but instead of the, the big stuff. You gotta go uber tiny. Or, yeah. Yeah. Or like super giant. And those are, it's a privilege to go super giant. Yes, so. absolutely. So the example I was thinking is like the mobiles I'm making are very relatively medium sized. Mm-hmm. And so aside from that, um, I could choose to sell them at a craft fair, mm-hmm. or I could choose to um, submit them to a gallery, right? Mm-hmm. And I think both of those places would require different price points. Yep. And I think both of them, they're just different environments. Like they, they're, for me, it almost feels like it's saying something about how I feel about the work. <laughs> um and maybe that's part of the answer, but I want to talk about it anyway, is like, how do you make that distinction for yourself? Like, what are the pros and cons? What are the factors to consider if you if you make something that could fit into either category? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know if you have come up upon any like final decisions. I haven't. You're still creating them. I um, haven't. For me, it usually happens after I have created the pieces mm. and, and thought like, could I see this in a craft fair? Could I see mm. this somewhere? Like I'm looking around at my work and there are pieces that I just, it, if I had it in a craft fair, there's just no way. Like people yeah. would be like, what the F is No, that? it's art. It's, yeah. yeah. And But then there are other things. And honestly, it does come down to, to the size of things. Mm-hmm. If people can pick it up and explore it, hold it in their hand, that is much more accessible. Mm-hmm. That is more of a art and craft fair type of thing because that's the expectation. Mm-hmm. When people are going there, so I guess you do have to think about people's expectations um, mm. and think about, you know, what they are planning to, what they're expecting when they get there and what they're maybe planning to spend. I don't think people go to craft fairs or go to art fairs thinking they're going to drop $5,000 on a sculpture. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going usually for gifts, for mm-hmm. things for themselves or just to like treat themselves or to support artists like, I like to go there to buy lots of earrings. I'm wearing earrings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the craft fair that we went to. Yeah, they um, look great. Thank you. <laughs> um, so I think you have to think about the expectations. Um, and maybe you have two different types of mobiles. You know? mm. So, like, my domes, I make these little domes. And so these tiny domes that I sell at a price point of $135, like, that's craft fair price mm-hmm. right there. They sell well on my website. And... That's a craft fair thing, but I have larger domes that obviously a lot more work goes into them, and those are in the few hundreds of dollars. That's not really necessarily a craft fair type of situation. So this is where it comes down to product again. This is the practical Mm. end of art making, and that's where you decide how much effort you put into something. Um, So for example, your mobiles, maybe you do have more elaborate ones that are more of art pieces, and then you have more simplified ones that are more of a product craft fair thing. And that is the dividing, kind of a dividing line. Um, 
and I know in our in our pregame chat, uh, we we talked a little bit about you know what's the division line instead of art versus craft for me, and for me it's expression versus product, mm-hmm. and for me there's that's definitely the, the dividing line. Um, is some of my artwork is expression, some of it's product, some of it's both. Mm. Um, but there's definitely like I'm looking at big pieces on the wall that is definitely not product that is expression where mm-hmm. I'm saying something um, so I don't know if there's pieces that you've made I'm actually thinking of a couple pieces that you've maybe made with the intent of making a product out of it some of your sculpt like the um, you had that little dessert looking sculpture oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, good times <laughs> <laughs> made too yeah um, but like I don't, I don't know. I can't, I can't explain your thought process behind it or no, anything. Please, but like, please to, explain. <laughs> here's what you I don't know it. <laughs> um, but, you know, did, did you approach that differently than your other sculptures? Because I know that you were coming kind of from a sort of different. So those um, I actually made originally because I thought they were going to be model, like reference mm-hmm. models for my paintings. And then... Whatever, I don't even remember what the idea was for a painting, but it didn't end up fitting and I didn't end up doing that. But then I also think I like shared a little bit of them online and people loved it. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up selling it as like a study. Um, and that's pretty much where that ended. <laughs> that, that, that was the end of the dessert piles. I have thought about making more because I've, as I've talked to friends, I've gotten that feedback a lot. And I guess maybe this should tell me something about my own relationship to art and craft, I guess it's like I can't bring myself to do it because I'm like, but why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but why would I make that? Yeah. You know? No, I, and that's the, again, the, like, practical part of it is mm. there's a demand for something and can I bring myself to meet that demand? Or yeah. is the demand Yeah, real? the why could be like, uh, it's a good product that will sell and it's cute. Mm-hmm. But no, there are plenty of us who are like, but I'm not gonna. Yeah, you know, yeah. There are plenty of artists who are like, I will not do that. I'm not yeah. going to. So yeah, if it doesn't feed you, then don't. I mean, it might well, literally feed you like yeah. money, but if it doesn't feed you creatively. Then no, I mean, I probably would. I think I'm warming up more to the idea of doing product. Um, I just I just don't fully know yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and things can also visually feed me. But maybe I'm also just so in the habit of being like uber intentional with my paintings. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I don't know why. I don't know why I'm this like psycho in that department. Um, that maybe it's just like a new thought process that's different for me. It's a huge shift, I think. To yeah. go from thinking like about your work a certain way mm-hmm. to translating it into product. And I know it's hard, especially mm. because you're going from 2D to 3D also. Like yeah. you're, tra- you're trying to like flip all these things. Things. Hell yeah! What's what? Why, Devin? What are you doing? I don't know. I don't. You know. like pain? No. Um, literally, <laughs> literally. Every type of pain. Yeah. Resin mold making. Man. Yeah. No. Um, it's fun. I promise. It is fun. It's super fun. <laughs> um, it's like you're you're doing all of the like really difficult forms all at once, but I always like, do that. You know, it's the best way to learn. Is, like, yeah. Jump in face first. Yeah. <laughs> um. I don't know where I was going with that. That's okay. I think I'm done with that sentence. <laughs> okay. End of sentence. <laughs> um, yeah, I think just in general that all stemmed from us talking about, like, how do you decide where to mm. where to put your work in context? And I think you were yeah. saying, like, size, materials, time intensity. Mm-hmm. Oh, but then you brought up um, how you really think about this conversation as product versus expression. Oh, right. And so I'm thinking also with product – 
like it means it's not one of a kind. Is that mm-hmm. is that kind of where you're at on that? But a lot yes. of your products are one of a kind. Like your little domes are one of a kind, no? Yeah, they are. Um, I have like duplicated elements. Okay. I think there's things about it where it's just there's not that big of a personal touch. Mm. I mean, I'm, I guess other people see it. But yeah, they are... I have the ADHD that will not allow me to like replicate stuff over mm-hmm. and over or yeah. I will get very bored. Um, so like I, I have limited duplication um, on demand basically. Mm-hmm. So like I will have a pre-order for something. Uh, but if I were to do that all the time, I would be a very unhappy person. So yeah, mm-hmm. everything does have to have that. So I will have small things with variations in them. Basically. Yeah. Long way to answer that question. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's basically, that is how I see product, is that it's a little less personal, it is a little smaller, it's at a more accessible price point, because I know people can't afford thousands of dollars in sculptures. Yeah. Um, the people that do, thank you, I love you. Yeah, much appreciated. <laughs> you help us so much. Um, but the, the smaller ones ensures that I can, you know, give people a little piece of this. It yeah. is affordable, it's not going to make you totally bankrupt and you don't have to like wish and hope that you just come across some money so that you can have a piece of this yeah and so in a way that does elevate this whole capitalist crap to something meaningful for me and that oh i can get a piece of this to two people who want it yeah um so that does help when you're thinking about things in terms of product um because i know people connect with your work in that way too yeah um so it's not just this ugly like how do i sell type of feeling I mean some people are cool with it and they don't feel that it's ugly I do think when you're very connected to your work to make that shift it feels yucky yeah to really be like okay this sells like this is a business Mm -hmm. and it's like only based on that I mean I'm sure there's a wide range in there of you know how people relate to that but yeah I I get Mm -hmm. what you're saying yeah it's but like I think everyone can find their happy place yeah like if I can find the happy place yeah I'm the most like not gonna do it kind of person that's out there like if I can find it I kind of feel like most most people can because I'm very like I don't want to comply yeah a lot I'm very (laughs) (laughs) non-compliant in a lot of ways but but like I've found you know my happy place amongst this and it's oh people you know really do like just these little happy scenes and they make me happy to make them and I'm happy to ship them off I love when people send me things like oh here it is in this little spot I know you you love it too and so like that is something that feeds me too so it isn't just like selling a product yeah maybe it's a little disservice to call it a product yeah I yeah I think it is art product we gotta come up with a new name yeah I don't know what it will be art product Something, something, something. Mini art. I mean, it's mini art in many ways, but so, I don't <laughs> so know. mini. I can't word. I don't know. I know. Yeah, I like that though. And I'm also thinking. Well, I love this perspective of like it's actually this really beautiful thing to be able to create something accessible for the people who love my A R T, like with a capital A. <laughs> capital A. But um, but it's like out of their price range. But also, and you already said this at the beginning, but just to reiterate it, like it feeds you as the artist financially, Yeah, you know? It is, the truth is, is it is easier, at least at a certain point in your career, for most working artists, um, to unload things that are at a lower price point. Like, mm-hmm. that's just the way it is. And I think that sometimes, I mean, I don't actually personally know anyone who thinks this, but I just sense that there might be a perspective out there that, like, if you dip your toe into that realm, it's, like, 
deemed lesser than. Mm -hmm. But truthfully, like, working artists need to support themselves. And so you are, like, taking a stance for something positive in that way, too, of, like, hey, like, I do both. It feeds my audience. It feeds me figuratively and literally. And, like, that's a good thing. And it doesn't, like, say anything about my work or the intention behind it. Exactly. And I I think, you know, if you are a 2D artist and you make original artwork, this is no different than making prints. Yeah. If anything, this is more labor It's more work, yeah. Because you're making individual pieces. Yeah. I mean, I'm making all of these flowers by hand, everything by hand. So, um, you know, the, the opinions of other people really don't need to weigh in on your decision yeah. of, of this, um, unless it's your audience and they're asking for something and you really need, need to to pay attention to that unless mm-hmm. you've decided like, okay, I need to take their wants into consideration. Yeah. Um, that's the only time that I ever really do that. So mm-hmm. otherwise there's no reason to say, Oh, making small accessible things is bad for me. Like that's, there's no reason to believe that. Yeah. Because if you're selling prints, if you're selling postcards, if you're selling, I mean, sometimes that's the yeah. only way to get your work into the hands of people. Totally. Oh, I've talked about this already on the podcast, but like I'm obsessed with, with selling prints. Yeah. I am into selling prints. I mean, I think it works for me and my audience and my work. Um, but I think just pointing that out, like, it's really not that different. It's just all about what we're used to seeing in different contexts, you mm-hmm. know, and what we associate things with. But it's not actually all that different. Yeah. And, like, I look at my art collection and it is full of little art. Yeah. And, like, I mean, I have larger pieces, too. But I have lots of smaller pieces of art and I don't consider them... I think some people would draw lines and say that is a crafty piece, that is an arty piece, mm-hmm. simply because of the materials that they're made out of. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't see it that way. I just think this is my art collection, you know. Mm-hmm. Some of them I spent a few hundred dollars on. Some I traded, you know, with other yeah. artists, and that's the only way I would ever get something of that value. Yeah. Because, like, I can't afford my own artwork. They can't afford their own artwork, yeah, so yeah. swap. <laughs> yeah. Um, but... Um, I think, you know, it's all in the eye of the beholder. Mm -hmm. And if I see everything as worthy, then I don't have to listen to other people who say otherwise. Yeah. Because they're not looking through my eyes. So that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really butt-headed way to see things. I'm okay okay with that. (laughs) So, okay, to come around to, like, something I think more positive is we're seeing um, in the art world, like, more embrace of craft-based materials Mm -hmm. and I think that's really cool I've seen a lot of like really cool glittery stuff in galleries um which is very exciting and yeah I'm wondering why you think we're seeing that shift and like what's happening there um I mean world the world changes you know people come around um but I do have to think now this is my you'll have to tell me what you think but my opinion is that I have social media to thank for all of this Mm. Um, because social media has given us a chance to kind of control our own narratives, to control Mm -hmm. our own voices to an extent. Um, But we get to tell our own stories and we get to show our own work and show things the way that we want. And that involves using our own materials, using things that we want to use. Sometimes it's earth art and we're just, you know, we're arranging leaves and, and twigs and things to share our stories. Sometimes we're using glitter and stickers and paper mache and things catch on. And sometimes galleries will just poach because it's popular. Mm -hmm. That's fine. That that always happens. 
sometimes they're really thoughtful curators mm-hmm. who go, dang, I'm going to put together a really great show that celebrates this. Um, and so I, I mean, personally, I think it's just more access to artists, other artists through social media and our ability to share our stories, to share how we make things, why we make them, even just through like a caption mm-hmm. of like, hey, I really love this medium because I learned it with my grandmother or whatever gives so much context to why you make things, um, why you continue to make them, them, how they are a part of you. And to be able to share that and have other people see it, connect to it, and bring it to a larger sphere, Mm. whether it's a museum or um, a gallery, and to celebrate it that way, I think it has just caught on um, thanks to access to information, access to other people. Yeah, Um, yeah. And, like, you see the throngs of people who will go and go, hey, that's a really cool little sculpture that you made out of, like, air-dry clay. Mm. And other people will notice. Like, it's always the artists that drive this. It's always, it's never the curators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's never the museums. They're the ones peeking in and going, oh, hey, what's this cool thing that people are, like, thronging towards? Um, so that's that's my opinion, anyways. Social media. Yeah. Showing all the glittery shit that everyone's going, ooh. Yeah. And then jumping in on it. I also, I'm remembering um, last season on the podcast, we had Angelique, uh, Mm -hmm. she's a curator, come on. I have to like recall her last name. It was, we talked a lot about things that are relevant to what we're talking about now. And uh, I think she was mentioning, she kind of mentioned everything you did, but she was mentioning that like these things also translate really well through a screen Mm -hmm. because they're also bright and like fun and people are drawn to them. So it also does like push those things to the top and any. Anytime something rises in popularity, like, people take notice. So that could also be part of it. Yes. Yeah. Um, she, her history, like, I think she studied craft. Mm. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's what her history is. And she has did curated really great shows, like, um, ceramic shows. And, yeah. Um, really bright, fun stuff, too. But, yeah, I agree. Like, they, and the process of making as well. So mm. video. Yeah. Lots of people share the video and their process of making it. And that, in terms of entertainment, and in terms of content has really blown up, I think, unexpectedly. Yeah. People like to see, you know, your paintbrush on things. They like to see you squishing clay. They like to see this. There's that ASMR kind mm-hmm. of little bit. There's also learning. You go, oh, dang, I didn't know that's how you you painted an eyeball. And it's like there's learning. There's a bit of a sensory bit. And then there's just like, I'm going to zone out and stare at some videos. Yeah. And artists have provided a lot of that in yeah. the last however many years, especially with TikTok. It's promoted well. too much. <laughs> For free, I know. Yeah. Um, pants more, please. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but so I think a, a lot of that, you know, it's caught on in terms of content people are hungry for it yeah and so why not bump it into galleries so they can take 50 percent of your sales we won't get a conversation that. for our <laughs> next episode we'll have to yeah yeah <laughs> we won't talk about that yeah um, but yeah definitely i mean we can thank the apps for that yeah so cool i mean i'm happy for it yay bring on the glitter yeah like, me too you. i'm I am here for the glitter. It's all right here. Yeah. Actually, I've noticed, just I know, as I've been doing more 3D work, what's been cool about that is permission to use, like, more glitter and more Mm -hmm. holographic vinyl. Like, because I think in paintings, I'm like, all right, a little sprinkle here so that you get 
the vibe. But, like, in resin, I'm like, yeah, pour glitter into all of it. Like, <laughs> no surface goes on hollow. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Basically. Yeah, and, and I do think there's a freedom there in, yeah. in 3D art that is, like, it almost begs for it. Yeah, like, please, it does. Please go extra. Please. It does. Mm-hmm. Yes, that has been something fun for me mm-hmm. about this. Yeah, yeah, it's indulgent. It lets you indulge. Yeah. You know, like, 2D does have parameters i mean you've got the edge of the canvas you've got the edge you have edges whereas mm-hmm. 3d is like can i fit it through the door yeah mm, you know yeah i think for people like me who are obsessive it's like there is no limit and i won't stop yeah <laughs> and i can see how it's intimidating for some people but for others it's like oh man I'm yeah just gonna, i'm gonna go crazy yeah uh, totally so yeah amazing well <laughs> i think that kind of wraps us up yay crafts yes uh, do we have parting words? We don't need to have them. Um, I think you should make what you love, and that's my parting words. Okay. Whether it's art or craft, just make stuff, and don't worry about what category it, it falls into. Yeah. That's my parting word. Okay, we're going to so. leave it at that. Those are good parting words. Okay, thanks for listening, everyone. We don't have to say goodbye like we would on Zoom, because now we're just going to hang up and talk more about other stuff like we always do. <laughs> yeah, so. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Marissa. Please be sure to go and check out her work. If you haven't seen it yet, your mind will explode with colors and rainbows and like giddiness (laughs) as she was describing, but you really have to see it for yourself. So her Instagram is at speaking underscore in underscore rainbows. And I believe her website is just marissasailor.com. That will all be linked in the show notes, of course. And I think that wraps us up for today. So I will see you not next Thursday, but the Thursday after, because we're going to go back to our biweekly schedule and I'll be back with another fun conversation. So stay tuned for that. And until then, I'm sending you lots of love and tons of magic.